real quickly with me to Isaiah 43. And it says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. Don't you love the fact that God knows who you are? Do you know, Mama and Daddy, you think, oh, they named me? No, God named you. He already knew what your name was. And I love the fact that the Bible says that he wrote down every day of your life before it even began. Is that not amazing? So when you have one of those days that you think, that was a bad day, well, God knew all about it. He says, I've summoned you by name and you are mine. God loves you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. The Bible says, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they're not going to sweep you away. You see, God predetermines everything. And he's already determined they're not going to sweep you away. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I'm your Savior. How many of y'all know that God is your Savior? See, He wants you to succeed more than you want to. He wants to bless you and protect you and give you good things more than you even want them. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Now, this is one of the key verses. See, things are accelerated, and here's what it says in verse 18. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. We've heard it before, right? Isn't it so easy to back up and get back into that comfortable, yucky place that you were trying to get out of? The Lord is saying, you got to forget the past. Forget the divorce. Forget about the bankruptcy. Forget about the abuse. Forget about all the things that have happened. Forget about last month when you couldn't pay a bill. Forget about all those things. Do not dwell on the past. Why? See, because I'm doing a new thing. And a new thing takes faith. There is a declaration that has to be made. There's got to be a stake put in the ground saying there's a new thing that God's getting ready to do. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? Do you realize that it's here? This is the time for this new thing to happen. And I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know, I was thinking today about, I've had an address at points in my life in the wilderness. And I know that some of you probably feel like you're in a wilderness. But God promises that even in your wilderness, and especially in your wilderness, that he's going to be there and he's going to bring streams of living water into your wilderness because God has been getting your attention. God has been making all of us more pliable in his hands. Disappointments and past failures, they can keep you from your blessings if you keep focusing in on them. Don't we want a new thing? We do. We want a new thing. So forget the former things and understand that God is doing something new in your life right this minute. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's doing something in my life right now. 
Amen. You know, there's seasons for everything in your life. Laughing, hysterically, being quiet, crying, being joyful, working, and then resting. And watch this one, succeeding and sometimes failing. My mother used to tell me, you know, honey, you can learn more from a failure than success sometimes because you learn what not to do and what didn't work. I think about some of these awesome men in our past. Uh, Edison, for example, he tried and tried and tried again to try to figure out how to make that electricity. And it was failure after failure. But finally, God gave him the revelatory knowledge of how to make electricity. Our whole life is, is just surrounded with electricity. Imagine that. He had no idea there would be computers in the future and there would be airplanes that would fly and there would be lights in big buildings. There would be sound systems. He had no idea the fullness of what God was going to do. And there's still yet more to come. It's amazing. You know what? Your past and the things you've gone through are just simply a rehearsal for the future that God has for you. Amen? The last days are here. I believe that right now we're living in the last days. So whatever you do, do it quickly. Do it with all your might. Give it all the gusto you've got. Move forward without fear, knowing that God put you on the planet right this moment and his purposes for you are incredible. Lately, I've just been in the house just, just worshiping, just loving on the Lord, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God will just come on me. And I'll just feel his presence because he's doing something new in me and he's doing something new in you. He's got to get us ready and strengthened for these days. We've got to be able to hear from the Lord even more clearly. And right now I feel and sense that what God is doing is he's asking us to, to get into his presence. You see, it's only in his presence that there's acceleration. There is no victory without the victor. There is no goal that will succeed without God coming with you. Amen? So the presence of God is so important. What is the presence of God? What is that? It's having a relationship with the Lord is what is so special. And that's what God wants. He wants to have a close relationship with you. Let's turn our attention right now to Genesis 2, 20 with Adam and Eve. You remember them. So in verse 20, it says, So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. How many of y'all still single? How many of y'all would like to find somebody? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I agree with these people right now that you have the right mate predestined into their life. We release those people right now, godly, fearing people who love you and will love them. And we give you glory for it. Lord, you did it for Gilbert and me. And Lord, I thank you right now. We seal those words in the spirit of the living God and call those things that be not as though they are. It was through a phone call that Gilbert and I got together. We weren't even living in the same state. I was in Oklahoma. 
dumb me. But anyway, and he, but he was in Texas, so it all worked out, and I got here as fast as I could. Hallelujah. I'm a good Texan. I actually have a cowboy hat and some boots, and that's about as far as it goes. But I do ride a horse every now and then. So then, verse uh, 22, it says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she'll be called, Whoa, man. Is that right, baby? For she was taken out of man. Now that's why a man will leave his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. What does God want us to be? united with him and become one in our spirit. Does that make sense? United and one. Isn't it interesting that he put that here in the word? And this is the first institution that God ever made of marriage. So it shows us the importance of relationship. Oh, those two, they had a lot to talk about. And I tell you, Adam was just yearning for somebody else. He saw the cow with the cow and the giraffe with the giraffe and the elephants together. And he was like, man. Now he was having a relationship with God, but God knew that a human would be a really good thing. And he made her a little different. Now, Genesis 3, 6 through 8 says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Then the man and wife heard the sound of the Lord, God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did they do? They hid from him. Do you think they'd ever hidden from him before? I bet they ran when they saw God coming into the garden. I know I would have like, hey, he's here. Celebrate. Not this time. Mm -mm. They had got, they had realized they were naked. That's a country word, naked, naked, right? And so they got fig leaves and they're putting them together. And, and they said to him, uh, they said, oh, you know, uh, God says, well, what are you guys doing? Why are you hiding? Now, you know, he already knew, right? You knew he knew, but he wanted to make sure they knew and they would say it. And so they hid from him. The point of this story is that sin causes us to be separated from God, separated from his presence. It is the presence of God that brings breakthrough. It is the presence of God that brings acceleration. It is the presence of God that breaks through all those things that you've been concerned about. It's the only place you find true peace. It's the only place that you really have joy in your spirit. It's the only place that there is perfect love, is in the presence of God. Yet sin is what separated them. You know, when I was doing some research, I came upon something that was really unbelievable to me. Maybe you already know this, but there's an organization called Covenant Eyes, and they have done research, and they found out some very alarming statistics here in America. They said that 79% of all males, 18 to 30, 
and 76% of all females 18 to 30 are viewing pornography at least once a month. Don't think for one second that there aren't people here right now tonight that don't have an issue with that. God wants us pure and holy and the enemy wants to trick us and keep us from the presence of God. See, God is trying to break into your life and if you put all the cuffs and the chains on yourself through sin, he will not bust them down. It's up to you. The devil is evil, God is good, and you stand in the middle making the choice. Is that true? Amen. And three out of every 10 people are watching pornography every single day. Every single day. It curses you. It causes separation. You cannot have a normal relationship if you are watching pornography. And besides that, it's addictive. And here was the kicker that really shocked me. That when they found out statistically about this, they thought, well, that's all the heathens, right? No. It's clergy. It's Christians. It's non-Christians. Look at the Catholic Church and what's happened there. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Listen, God is calling us to holiness because he wants to have relationship with us. It's all going back to the Garden of Eden. This is what God wants for us. He wants relationship with us. But if there's sin, he cannot have relationship with that. And don't be fooled. There is no entry ticket into heaven if you're living in sin. If you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you think, well, it's okay. God loves us and this is love. It's all all right. No. The Bible's very clear about what sin is and what righteousness is. And we've got to live a holy life. Is it difficult sometimes? You bet it is. Is it worth it? Oh, yes. To know the master of the universe. Sometimes I think that we, we really forget how incredible God is. Because we kind of get used to it. We come to church, we hear this amazing praise and worship. We hear the word of God spoken. And sometimes things just kind of become so familiar to us. So I want you to do something right now. I want you to take your hands and I want you to put them over your eyes. Now don't do it like this, okay, where you can still see. Put them over both eyes. Now, I want you to imagine for a minute that there was never a sunrise, that there was never any light that your eyes had ever seen. You'd been born blind, and you couldn't see anything, not one bit of light. Now, take your hands off of your eyes, and can you imagine this being the first time that you saw the sun come up? That you saw the gold and the beautiful colors, the pinks and the blues. Can you imagine how exciting and how miraculous that would be? Seeing the ocean, maybe going and, and hearing the roar. Or seeing the lightning strike out of the sky. It would all seem so amazingly miraculous. This is how God is. He's so amazing. Every night when you see those stars twinkling in the sky, do you know that the sand on the ocean, in the ocean, on the ocean side, and all the sand that you find in your house sometimes, I know I get plenty of it, 
every single grain of sand they have calculated. And did you know that there are more stars, in fact, four to five times more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand? How big is our God? And our sun, the, the sun is a star, right? And then think of all the planets that are in our solar system. So can you imagine how many planets there are? Do you know that when God spoke and said that he was going to create the universe, that the universe is at this second still continuing to obey that word? They can't find the end of the universe. Did you know that? Because when they think, oh, oh, there it is. Well, wait a minute, that's not it either. I mean, that Hubble telescope really changed things for us to be able to peer into deep space. But they're like, you know what? There is no way. Because they found out that the universe continues to expand. Why is it? Because God is so big. When he declares he's doing a new thing, he's really doing it. And he's working everything out for your favor and for your good right this moment. You can trust him. He is a mighty, mighty God. Think of this. Moses, he went up to the mountain to be with God. Remember those stories? And then, oh, he came down and he had those Ten Commandments. He must have been so excited to tell all the people about what God had done, giving them those Ten Commandments. And he came down and he saw these crazy people. They had taken their earrings off and their bangles and they'd given gold to Aaron and he made a gold stack, um, um, calf. And they were worshiping this golden calf. So I was thinking to myself, why in the world, after you've had the Red Sea open, you've seen the miracle of being set free from slavery, why would, and you've seen water come out of a rock, why would you ever worship a golden calf? And I thought to myself, you know what? I believe the Holy Spirit was showing me the reason, because I've, I've thought about this so much. I believe the reason is, is because people want a God they can control. They want, they want an entity that is something that they can fathom, something that is there and they can take it away at any point. Or they can, can you imagine, like India, they have millions of gods. They'll take a piece of wood, carve something out, and they'll just sacrifice to it, pray to it, ask it. I think how illogical is that? But everybody has a need to worship. See, everybody wants the presence of God, but not everybody is willing to pay the sacrifice for it. But I believe, I know in my knower that you are. And that you are a special breed that God has. You are a holy people. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been drawing you deeper, deeper, deeper. He's been getting rid of some of the things in your life you knew you needed to get rid of. Is that true? Change some friends. Do some different things. Mm -hmm. I know. Because God's plan for you as a church corporately goes way beyond just this place. God has a voice for you, pastors. I believe to this nation, and I believe that God is going to raise you up 
And I know the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you. This is nothing new. But God has been teaching and training you for greater things. He's, he's opened up the doors and your congregation's going to go with you. Listen, this is not a one, two-man train. No, this is a church event. God is going to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. We are in this together. Amen. We are unified in Christ. Praise the Lord. Exodus 33, 7 through 11. It says, now Moses used to take a tent. Now this is after uh, he came down and the golden calf was there. And um, then the people that had worshipped, God told them, you kill them. That's it. See, God is a loving God, but he's also very much a righteous judge. And he judged those people. I believe he knew that they never would change their hearts. Because if there was even a little bit of hope, I know God would have given them an opportunity. But no, they had disrespected the mighty God. Well, after that, Moses in Exodus 33, it says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Everybody say, tent of meeting. Tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Is that cool or what? This tent of meeting was made for people to come and talk to God and for him to talk back. They could go and inquire of the Lord. Now that the curtain has been ripped in two, we have the right to go boldly before the throne of grace and talk to our Father. It says, verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent and all the people rose, they stood at the entrance of their tents watching Moses as he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Sometimes when I, I used to read that and get so jealous, and think, Moses got to speak face to face with God. But then the Holy Spirit reminded me, I've given you that opportunity. I may not see his face, but he's here. The Bible says he's closer than your breath. Take a good breath right now. He's closer than your breath. Then Moses would return to the camp after he had talked with the Lord. Hallelujah. There was one guy that hung out, though. It was Joshua. He'd stay in that tent. And who became the next leader? Isn't it interesting? It was Joshua. See, there's something about lingering in the presence of God. Taking the time. I love, once the family's all gone to bed, I just love to be with the Lord by myself in that quiet time right then. Also, I get up in the morning and before everybody gets up, I like to just be quiet with him. Let him talk to me. Hear his voice. Make sure you are lingering in the presence of God. Are you pursuing his presence? Are you pursuing his presence? Amen. Do you need some answers today? Do you have it all together? Do you know everything you need to? Or do you need some answers today? 
That tent of meeting is open for you. God is giving you a warm invitation. Talk to me, and I'm speaking to you. Do you know that there was the Shekinah glory there in that tent of meeting? That's what they were seeing. Remember when the children of Israel were walking out of Egypt and the cloud would, the pillar of cloud, it said, would lead them by day and then the pillar of fire by night? That was the Shekinah glory of God. The people were seeing that on a consistent, all the time basis, day and night. We can live in the presence of God every moment. Amen? Yeah. All right, King David. Let's just take a quick peek at him. This guy, I love King David. I really think that he is like really a cool guy. I think that he was um, a, an amazingly loving person. When I see your pastors, the Bible says you'll know them by their love. I always feel so loved in their presence. And we just adore them. Do y'all feel that way about your pastors? You have precious pastors who love you. They pray for you. They would do anything for you. But I look at David like that too, King David. He had an incredible love for God. And he made some mistakes. But one thing about him is that he always was pursuing the presence of God. Now, do you remember when the Ark of the Covenant was taken out of Israel by the Philistines? And then David said, hey, I want that back here in Israel. He wanted to bring it back to, to uh, Jerusalem. Well, the Philistines were real excited about that because you know what? When they brought the presence of God into their land full of filth and sin, it brought plagues on them. Plagues. The Philistines themselves said, look, we want to return this Ark of the Covenant. That, that, man, this is dangerous. Don't play with the presence of God. Respect the presence of the Lord. So the Ark of the Covenant housed the presence of the Lord. And do you remember when they were going back, David sent for the Ark. He said, yeah, we got to get it back. And then Uzzah, remember, he was trying to steady the Ark because it was falling. Do you remember that story? And he was killed. Huh? They said, wait a second, Matt. I don't know what we're going to do. They brought it to the home of Odom Edom. And um, what was so interesting about that, Odom, uh, Obed Edom's home housed the Ark of the Covenant, which had the presence of the Lord in it. And what happened to him? He was so blessed. Everything he did, everything he touched, everything he said, his family was blessed. There was perfect health. The finances rose way up. Why? Because the blessings of the Lord were there. And when David went back to get that, the Ark of the Covenant, some months later, I think Odom Edom was going, no, don't take the Ark of the Covenant. We've never had blessings like this before. But see, all of us can have the presence of God in our homes. Listen, if you've got hell going on in your home, you make an altar right there. And you make the presence of God. You cry out to God and let the presence of God come. And God's going to do miracles in your home. Nothing can withstand the presence of God. Not even the Philistines. Not your most bitter of enemies. Because the presence of God is amazing. And when David went back to get the Ark of the Covenant, 
Do you know that every six steps, one, two, three, four, five, six, they would stop everything they were doing and they would worship wildly before the Lord and they would sacrifice. One, two, three, four, five, six. They would worship wildly and they would sacrifice every six steps on their way back to Jerusalem because they valued the presence of the Lord. Are you valuing the presence of the Lord? God's presence is something we have to respect and desire. We must praise and worship God fully. And as a result, we'll be blessed in everything. And you want his blessings, right? Amen. Well, you know something? The presence of God is so wonderful. And the Holy Spirit is now. He's been given to us. He is ever present with us. He's here to comfort us and to lead and to guide us. Just like mama. Isn't it so precious? That wonderful love. Amen. And God says that we have to come before him like little children, pure, innocent, and looking to him, relying on him for everything. Amen. Daniel 6, 4 through 27. I think of, of Daniel who lived in the presence of God, even though he was in an ungodly environment. Today, we are living in the most ungodly environment I have ever experienced. How about you? I mean, there's, there's nothing really to compare it to. This is a critical time in our history. And God is calling on us to be the remnant, to be the light and the salt to this generation. And God knows we can do it or he would not have had us born at this time. But I remember when Daniel, the king, uh, made a decree. He got tricked by some of his leaders, the satraps, and they told him, hey, listen, let's make a rule that for 30 days, nobody can worship anybody but you. He said, sounds like a good idea. I mean, the guy wasn't too bright. He took his ring, he put the signet down, and it was a part of the law of the Medes and the Persians, which could never be revoked, not even by the king. And you know the story. What did Daniel do as soon as he heard about it? He went and worshiped and got in the presence of God, just like always. He opened his windows and he just began praising and worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. God, you are mighty. You are holy. You are righteous. You are awesome. You are able. I praise you and I'll never stop. That's what he did. Oh boy, those guys couldn't wait. Woo, he's right on time. Yep, he's praising and worshiping. They went and they got him. They, they went to the king and said, um, didn't you say that nobody could worship any other god? They said, well, Daniel's doing it. The king went, oh no, not Daniel. But sure enough, he was put in the lion's den. These evil men put him in the lion's den. We've got to be truth sayers in this day. Daniel stood up. He said, I'm not giving up my prayer life. I'm not going to get out of the presence of God because that's the safest place to be. And it's God that saved him from those lions. And his enemies ended up being thrown into the lion's den. Do you remember that? It's a very big thing. 
to stay in the presence of God. During these days, listen, if you're watching the news and you just feel like screaming, forget it. Cry out to God. When I see the news, my kids know I'm loud. Oh boy, I am one loud mama. Jesus, I rebuke and bind what the enemy's trying to do to destroy our nation. I refuse to let it go down. I say our nation is godly. It is righteous. We are going to have restoration. You are going to move by your might and by your power in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We've got to decree and declare a thing. And we've got to believe it in our own spirits. We gotta know that God is bigger than politics. Don't you know that every leader, including Kim Jong-un and evil leaders like, like in our past, Stalin and um, these evil people that have been taken and, and put on high places, the Bible says that all of them God knew about. And there was a reason and a purpose for those things. Listen, the Bible commands us to pray for our leaders, whether you like them or you don't like them. Pray that they'll be godly. Pray that they'll make the right decisions. Pray for our Congress. Pray for those that you may not agree with, but pray for them fervently. Do you believe that? This is what the Bible commands us to do. Amen? I've prayed for many leaders I don't agree a thing with, but I pray for them. And I ask God, because this is our nation. This is our homeland. This is where God has placed us. And so we're responsible. Amen? I want to just uh, point out something else to you. So God's presence was worth his life. That's how Daniel saw it. Is the presence of God worth your life? God's presence brings the blessings which we talked about. God's presence is holy, and you cannot control the presence, the real presence of God. Sometimes he'll just overshadow you, and you'll just feel like crying. Sometimes you feel like you're going to roar the lion's roar. God's presence is amazing. We don't want to ever overlook the presence of God. There was, a, there was a point on the road to Emmaus when two people were walking, and all of a sudden Jesus started walking with them, but they didn't recognize him. See, this is what God spoke to me through that scripture. There are times in your life that you don't recognize that God is actually walking with you. Sometimes you feel so hurt. You feel so disappointed. You feel like you just cannot make it. Don't you know that God is right there with you? And I know you've heard this before, but when the teacher gives the test, he's quiet. And so is God. Maybe you're in a testing period right now. But God, nonetheless, is there with you. Amen?